Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And today I'd like to begin by talking about a few little stories that I've heard. One day a little white lamb was taking a walk with his mother. And as they walked around the farm, they came to the pig pen. Well, a big old pig was stretched out, grunting contentedly as he wallowed in the muck and in the mud of the pen. And he really did look absolutely happy and comfortable, so much so that the little lamb was really quite impressed. So impressed was he that he began to think he might be missing something here. So he turned to his mother a little breathlessly because of his excitement and the wonderful idea that he had. And he said, Mother, may I wallow? Her son's question set the old mother sheep back on her heels a bit. She was shocked and she was surprised to think that a son of hers would ask such a question. Well, when she had regained her composure, she answered him very firmly, Certainly not. Sheep don't wallow. Well, the little lamb wasn't convinced. And the minute his mother turned her back, zoom, there he went. He ran over to the pig pen, slipped between the rails of the fence, and felt his feet sink into the cool mud. But it was deeper than it thought, and to tell the truth, it smelled terrible. He tried to back out, but found the mud clinging to his feet, and he couldn't move. He began to be very frightened, and he jerked and he tugged frantically, but that only got him in deeper. And by now he was terrified. He wished with all of his heart that he hadn't come, that he had obeyed his mother. He thrashed and he thrashed about in desperation, lost his balance and sprawled over on his side in the evil, foul-smelling muck and mire. The pig looked over at him and grunted in a very friendly manner, but the little lamb was absolutely frantic. He couldn't move. He could only roll his eyes, and he thought that with each breath he took, it would be his last. Then finally, just as he had bleated weakly for the last time and had given up, the farmer came along and tenderly lifted the little lamb from his death trap, cleansed him thoroughly, and restored him to his mother. As any parent can imagine, his mother had mixed emotions. She was so thankful that he was all right, but terribly hurt that he had chosen to so blatantly disobey her. She was even more distressed to think that her own son, a beautiful white lamb, had decided to wallow in the muck and mire. She said to him, I feel that you've learned your lesson. Only pigs wallow. As a sheep, you are the only animal that sets the pattern of behavior above all other animals. Hogs are born to wallow, but sheep are different creatures from hogs, and sheep don't wallow. 
Well, my friends, the moral of the story is obvious. As a Christian, we are part of the Lord's flock. He is the shepherd, we are the sheep, and we all need to know that sheep don't wallow. This little story is pure imagination because no sheep ever, ever wallows. Just so, the Christian will remain apart from the wickedness of the world. The wicked things of the world should hold no appeal to the Christian just as the mud and muck should hold no appeal for lamb. How many times do people who are Christians find themselves asking the questions, why can't I? You know what I mean. Why can't I dance the modern dances of today? Or why can't I drink alcoholic beverages? Or why can't I smoke marijuana? Or why can't I gamble at the boats or buy a lottery ticket? Or why can't I watch any movie I want to watch? Or why can't I watch any television show that I want to watch? Why can't I run or go to any theater that I'd like to? Why can't I wear anything that I want? Why can't I miss services to engage in some sort of worldly activity? Well, the answer is the same as the mother sheep gave to her lamb. Sheep don't wallow. Christians are not worldly people. We are new creatures. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. A Christian has the mind of Christ, or he should have, according to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Would Christ engage in the modern dances of today? Would Jesus drink intoxicating alcoholic beverages? Do you think that Jesus would go to the boats or stand in line to buy a lottery ticket? Do we think that he would watch any television show that he wanted to watch? Do we think that he would miss services of his own church for anything worldly in nature? The new creature in Christ has put to death the desires of the flesh. It doesn't mean he or she will never have those desires come into their mind again, but it does mean that they won't let them stay there when they do. Remember Paul's words of Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7? Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Again, from the pen of the Apostle Paul, we find in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. When a person becomes a Christian, truly putting to death the evil desires of the world, then the wicked things of the world hold no more appeal to him or her than the hog wallowing does to the sheep. We are sheep in the flock of Jesus, and sheep don't wallow. I'd like to tell you another little account. Once I was watching a fellow clearing some land push over the trees in his way. I was having a good time watching it. It was pretty neat. He took a bulldozer, loosened the dirt around the bottom of the tree, freeing up the roots, and then he just used that dozer to push them over. I don't think that even the largest of the trees took more than five minutes. As is usually the case, that got me to thinking. I wonder how long the largest of those trees had been there. From the time the seed fell to the ground or the sapling was planted, it had to be years and years for some of them to have grown to the size that they were. 
many gentle spring rains, heavy summer thunderstorms, fall frost and winter snow had fallen on those branches. Then, in a matter of minutes, all those years of growth ended, and what had taken so many years to build up was torn down. That is like a lot of things we see in this life. How about a reputation? Good reputations take years and years to build and are so important. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 22 and verse 1, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. He makes the same point and elaborates upon it in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verses 1 through 4. Here he shows the importance of a good reputation and alludes to the time and experiences through which one builds it. This is what he wrote. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. How long does it take to push over, so to speak, a good reputation? Not very long at all. An ungodly act followed by a refusal to repent can greatly damage a person's reputation. Words quickly spoken with no forethought can bring the mighty oak of a reputation crashing down to the ground, and we all know that this is true. How about friendships? True friendships take considerable time to build. They are like the layers of growth rings we see in the trunk of a tree that has been cut down. Trust and confidence are layered into the friendship, strengthening and growing it as the years and shared experiences go by. Proverbs 27 speaks of the value of friendship. For instance, verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. In verses 9 through 10, we find ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So does the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. Verse 17 says, Iron sharpeneth man, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. While some may not think that verse 19 addresses the subject of friendship, I think that it really does. Solomon said, As in water reflects the face, so the heart of man reflects man. Does the beauty of friendship just happen? No, it takes effort and it takes work, but it is absolutely worth it. In Proverbs 18, verse 24, we find, A man that has friends must show himself to be friendly, and there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Can there be a more beautiful statement of the essence of friendship than that found in Proverbs 17, 17? Solomon wrote, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So how long does it take to destroy a friendship? Not very long. All it takes is for one to forget what being a friend is all about. 
All it takes is for one to put him or herself before the welfare of his or her friend to make hurtful and unkind remarks. I know why folks will, I don't know, excuse me, why folks will do this, but some do. And it really does hurt. The man responsible for the removal of the trees is going to take the very best ones and sell them for lumber. So a good purpose will be served. There may be a piece of furniture that results and provides comfort and beauty in a home. Some will undoubtedly provide warmth through being used as firewood. Still more may very well be ground up and used as mulch to make beautiful things grow. Several good purposes will be accomplished by those trees being torn down. What good is accomplished, however, when a stellar reputation is pushed over quickly? by ungodly acts or thoughtless words? What good is accomplished when a friendship, one that has been nurtured and grown over the years, is decimated because one or the other forgot to place the welfare of his or her friend first? Through the tearing down of things, progress can be made. Through the tearing down of others, only tragedy occurs. Hold fast, my friends, to that which is important and be willing to sacrifice to retain that which matters. Thank you for listening today.